leaders. I'm your coach, Adam. Here to have an honest talk about leadership, the obstacles you might face, and how to refine your leadership skills to help you become the leader I know you are. So let's grab a drink, sit back, relax, and have a chat. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different, something that I haven't done in an a while now, and that is interviewing a guest. Today I'm joined by Isaac, an assistant manager at Movement Gym. He has astonished me with his interpersonal skills and the culture he's created with his team. While his team might not always agree with his decision that he commits to, they will always follow him into hell and back, which is a true hallmark of a leader. Welcome to the podcast, Isaac. I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, yeah, about the decisions part. Yeah, it's some good ideas. Some I'm not doing that ideas, you know, so you try. <laughs> that Well, that's all we can do is just like throw stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually kind of curious. Why did you get into leadership? So, um, you know, it all started like when I was born. I was born in uh, Zimbabwe um, and my dad owns an engineering company. So. One thing that a lot of me and my dad have in common is we don't like listening to people. That was one of our biggest crutches, but we like listening to people at the same time, which is kind of weird. We're like, we don't like being told what to do, but like we like hearing what people have to say at the same time. So when I was growing up, my dad, um, I kind of get got these mannerisms of like, I kind of want to be my own boss, but also... I understood the level of sacrifice that I would have to kind of do be to get to where I'm at. Right. So my dad um, had his own engineering company. Um, of course, with the family, we helped them out a lot with that. Um, as a little kid, like we had to go like on work sites. I was like out here, like in the mud, like in, oh, it was disgusting, but I loved every second of it, you know? And um, I feel like it gave me two passions of engineering and like business acumen. So when I actually came here, I came here under engineering. Um, when I came to Canada, I came here uh, trying to get like a like my engineering degree in BC. I got an applied science certificate at the University of Northern British Columbia. And then I, um, well, actually College of New Caledonia. It's the same kind of thing. I like to use the university because it sounds cooler. But <laughs> uh, and then I, I came to Edmonton at Nate, um, wanted to do some business, just have a little bit of a break from the engineering thing. And here I am. So that's like a little bit of a rundown. I just fell in love with business because um, organizational structures, marketing, but just like how people work was just something that I was like, oh, this is going to be very interesting for me. So that's where it started off from. It's something that's been in my life and ingrained in me. I've always just been a little entrepreneur. I'm happy just operating business and just doing my thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't need like a payment for that. Now, payment is good, but I could do it happily personally. Well, I actually wanted to pull that apart a little bit mm-hmm. because there's the business side of things and then there's entrepreneurial side of things. But I know entrepreneurs and business owners that are not leaders. Like the, they don't do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to kind of expand like what what makes you a leader as opposed to just a business person, as opposed to just an entrepreneur? I feel like this is going to sound a little weird, but um, I had um. This is going to sound really weird, but this is what I got to say. Like uh, one of my grandma, it started off with one of my grandma. um, I was afraid of bugs and stuff. And uh, she prayed for me one day and then it didn't really help the problem at the time. But what it did do is like it gave me a a mindset of like, if no one's going to do it, then everyone's going to be scared. So it gave me a sense of bravery. Like I got to like step up because everyone's going to be afraid of the bug. Right. Like I'm a big guy. If the big guy's scared there's something to be worried about. So um, it translated to a lot in my life for us. Like no one, people want to be the leader when things are going great, but no one wants to be the leader when things are going wrong. And I was like, I felt like a sense of responsibility of like, I have to be that person to be there when things are good, bad in between. Right. So when I became a leader is I never really led anything in high school much. But I was kind of like a good kind of helping hand of like leading people to where they wanted to be, right? So I could really kind of help people and kind of be like, things are hard now, 
but this is what we can do to make things better you know and i never really took credit for it i never saw a need of taking credit for it but it was like i will be there in the hard times you know that's what i like to do so that's where it came from i actually really like that i'll be there in the hard times because mm -hmm. that's what leadership is all about is about helping your people through the hard times mm -hmm. and how how do you navigate those hard times when you're it comes to your people I think one thing that I, I, I just like to do is um, is kind of self-visualize, you know, and it's always to look at like the future and like what's to come and what you can do to change it. I know they say like destiny and our decisions are made in stone, but I'm just like, I don't know if you know the saying, um, you, you're born with what your parents have, but you die with the decisions you made. You know what I mean? And I feel like in a lot of instances, if you can change your decisions, if you can be a little bit more clear with how you, you want your life to turn out, then no, I'm not saying everything is possible, but I'm just saying you can achieve quite a lot in your life that way, right? So for me, when it's like things are hard, I'm like, this is the time where we're on like a test. This is the time where we can change our decision in our course of mind to the next level, you know, so you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, and um, I have like a saying that like everyone goes through fire, trial mm -hmm. by fire, you know, so, and then when things get hard, it's sometimes you cry, sometimes it's frustrating for me, but it's like, damn, what a story I can tell afterwards, you know, so that's what <laughs> I'm always excited about. Well, you said something very interesting there about iron sharpens iron, mm -hmm. but Something that I see in yourself and in the work that you do is you uplift people when times are struggling. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I see individuals when things are bad, they feel bad and they take it out on everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it iron doesn't sharpen iron at that point. In fact, if anything, <laughs> the leaders sink in the ship. Like, what yeah. are you doing, man? You're crashing it in the rocks. Exactly. I, I think for me it's um I um it's a really hard line for me because I will put myself in someone else's shoes. But one danger that my father always told me is don't put your foot in other people's shoes because it takes you out of everyone else's. So it's like I have to be kind of thread the needle and be very careful. I'm a delusional optimist in a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm the guy who I'm like I feel like I'm like the Joker, you know, like there'll be a group of supervillains, like the heroes are winning and I'm just there in the background laughing my socks off. Like, <laughs> what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, like I'm just laughing in the back. So for me, it's like I know what my team needs to uplift them. You know, I I, I take time into like sitting down with people and um, just kind of, you know, bringing them up. Right. So. Uh, for example, like one of my, uh, I have a friend called Brian, right? Um, people in my life know Brian. Brian has an impact in my friend's lives, but he's never met those people, right? And I always try to make a point to Brian, like, hey, I spoke to you about this person, this person. Because I know, like, even though it's not much, even though I've never met Brian, it can make his day. There's a story I heard of, like, a person who tried to, uh, who was always contemplating, like, suicide. And for him, the only thing that saved him was, like, hey, that one guy who was like, good morning every day in the bus stop. He was like, I, I gotta, I gotta be there tomorrow to see that guy at least, you know? So for me, it's like, I, I don't really see things as that extreme, like in, like in my line of work, of course, but it's like, I can make someone's day, even if it's like, we can do this, like it's possible because life is short. And my dad's like, there will be something tomorrow. There'll be something to worry about tomorrow. So why not just enjoy it and just kind of, bring people up to your level you know so mm -hmm. yeah there's always going to be something tomorrow mm -hmm. tomorrow brings a laundry list <laughs> of problems mm -hmm. and successes yeah but i wanted to like ask you in terms of that like how there'll always be like a problem tomorrow why is it that we feel like it's just me why does the brain be like it's so hard like it feels like only you in the world is going through something you know what i mean does that ever make sense like why is that it's because you're the hero of your own story mm -hmm. 
there are millions of books being written on this planet every single day. And you are the hero of your story. Mm -hmm. Whether that story be a tragedy, a comedy, a romance, I don't know. But everyone else around you are supporting characters, mm -hmm. nemesis, villains. Mm -hmm. But you are the hero of your own story. Mm -hmm. And it, the, Yeah, you continue. No, go ahead. I was going to say, like, but for me, it's it's kind of like I, I, I see my life in chapters, you know. So sometimes this is like a weird coping, coping mechanism I did. So when I first came to Canada, I didn't really fit in. I was very different. Um, my jokes never landed as well as they did back home. So it was like so hard. It's like, damn, man, what am I going to do? And whenever things were bad, I'd be like, you know what? If this was a TV series, this would be entertaining as that like this would be so much fun and that's something that like always like builds me up where it's like if bad things happen to me i try to be like if someone is watching this they're probably like oh no don't do it isaac don't no, don't do that you know and it's 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 like because they they've watched the movie you know and that kind of outlifts me because i'm like damn like when i'm like gonna be like 30 40 50 i'm gonna have a lot of stories to tell you know but like i feel like for some people it's like they look at their lives as one story like a, just a continuous book with no chapters and i'm like i don't know why is like do you do you feel like people do that sometimes where it's like it's one continuous book like they want to be consistent like this is my life this is who i am whereas like the, we had a conversation the other day where you were telling me like some people come in and go you, you don't have everybody around you at every time right but do you feel like people want to have that one chapter like off their lives, like that be entire book, you know, like, oh, I found the woman of my dreams. And now I'm just going to live that chapter forever. Do you ever feel like that or no? Oh, for sure. People always love a specific moment of their lives. The problem is sometimes people get caught up in that moment, which is not a good thing because change is inevitable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that seems to be something that you've mastered, though is the ability to understand that change happens and to pull yourself out of you and see it from a different perspective. I think it's normally my dad. He, he has a saying, all things come to an end, you know, and it's, it's the most, it's the most painful thing I've ever heard in my life. And I never wanted things to end. And it's something that I can't prepare myself for because I've realized in my life, I don't want things to change for the most part. You know, I say I like change. I'm open to change, but I know I'm lying to myself. I want things to be consistent. So I know what to expect. You know what I mean? But having that saying every day, like all things come to an end, all things come to an end. I was like, damn, like it, it made me kind of look at the world. Like I'm stuck in traffic. Let me smile because I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I look at my situation, I'm like, I'm, I'm stuck in traffic. I could be upset right now, but there are people who would do anything to be in Canada. People do anything to be in the United States. People do anything to be where you are today. Enjoy it. Because I know one day, there will be that day where I'm going to be like, I deserve to be sad. There's going to be that day you're going to have a genuine reason to be like, damn. Like, that just, that's gone, you know? So it's um it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, even in like high school, it's good. Cause you're like, if you're going through like a painful time in your life, it's good to know that. But when you're going through a good time in your life, it's like, oh, but like this good time will end. What does that look like for me? Can you survive? You know what I mean? And that may not be like, oh, you're going to die soon. It could be just like, you may be, what are you going to do after school? You know what I mean? What are you going to do after university? You know, like your assignments and stuff like that, your milestones, they keep you grounded. Are you going to be able to keep that level of consistency afterwards? So for me, it was always like, if it's good or bad, it's going to come to an end. But what can I do to kind of enjoy that moment of like, you know, let me feel it a little bit and like go to the next level. Well, it definitely sounds like there's polar opposites working. On one hand, you want things to be consistent. You want them to stay the same. Mm -hmm. and on the other hand, you're like, no, 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 things are going to change. All things come to an end. And there seems to be that like tug of war going on. How do you manage that? Because in leadership, like, let's be honest, your team 
goes to the forming, storming, norming, and then ultimately the disintegration process. Yeah. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you balance that? For me, I um I try to I try to kind of separate it, you know. There's what I want and there's what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I can tell the future or anything, but like there's things that I want. I would like my car never to run out of gas again. <laughs> That's something I want. If I, I I would want that to be the case, but I acknowledge you gotta go to the gas station, or if you have a Tesla, you're gonna have to charge your baby. You know what I mean? And I acknowledge it. That's like this is something I want, but it's something that I can't control. Um, it's a lot similar when it comes to like relationships. So back in the day, you know, when I was like still growing up, I'll be like, "Oh man, I'm never gonna fall in love again. I'm never have a girlfriend again." And then my friend one day says something smart to me. It's like. Um, but you couldn't predict, you know, that you're going to stay with her and marry her. Like, why do you think that you're never going to find love again? You know, and stuff like that. So it's like, you will heal eventually. I've seen it a lot of times. Um, but this is something that you've said many times and it freaks me out. It's like that traumatic incident of like something could totally shift your worldview. And I'm not ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you're talking about these two points, right? And and like you 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 just popped up and you're like yeah but there's like that road that 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 bus coming straight for you and I'm like wait we're talking about two different points here and you're like no 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 I'm looking at the paper you're looking at the bus coming at me and you're like ooh how do you like look at it like a 3D chessboard like how do you how do you view it because you don't view it the way I do you see the whole chessboard. I don't know if I see the whole chessboard. I think I have a I have a different view of life and how it kind of works out. But so what do you mean or like I guess I'm phrasing this wrong. What do you see as the difference between the way I see the world and how you see the world? How I see the world is um cause and effect. There are certain trends and certain outcomes that happen when you do a certain reaction. Like, I'm trying to sound smart here, but hear me out. I believe that, um, that like, being deserving of something doesn't exist. The universe um, responds to cause and effect. Those who have a unique cause, like, who know how to make a cause, can get the outcome that they desire irregardless of if they're a good person or a bad person. They just know, like, if I study from the beginning of the semester in this way, I will pass my exams. Whether I am a bad person to my friends, ETC, does not matter. I know it's going to work, right? Then it could be the nicest guy out there. You're like, this guy is so nice. He participates in class. But because he doesn't know how to study, it's not going to work out for him, right? Um. So then there, so then there's that, but like you, I find it's like, you're like, yeah, that's cute. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) You're like, that's cute. But then you, you come out and you're like, but like, what about those times you can't see the things coming? You know what I mean? Like you're talking about exams, but like, what about like, did you know that you're going to get hurt in the gym next week? And it's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I wasn't even thinking about that. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like you see this, like, right. You see the chaos that I don't see. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think I, I like to think about the world in very different terms and ideologies or different views. And to go back to your example of the exam and going to college, studying, you just have to study a very specific way and you'll pass the exam. That's a very concrete way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. But life isn't concrete. It's mm-hmm. fluid. And there's a lot of variables that can come into play. You could go to school right now and study to be an engineer, come out of that engineering class only to have a recession happen. And the people that are hiring all pull the ladder up. There's mm-hmm. no jobs. What are you going to do? And this concrete mentality of if I just go to school, I study a specific way, if I just pass, I will come out on the other side with a job. It doesn't fit. It doesn't jive. 
But do you think that is like a, a cause of like the way like most school systems are set up? Because this is something I was thinking about. I'm like, when you're starting up in school, there's the beginning point. You do not understand anything. Then you have a midterm to gauge your understanding. Then you have a final to make sure you've understood or you're going to start the whole process again, right? If you pass the final, you've gotten the concept and you go to the next level, right? So there's a reward at each step that you're going towards. Whereas like in life, there is no metric of whether you're succeeding or not succeeding. Like you could literally make the worst financial moves possible. Win the lottery, meet a financial advisor, that guy runs your money, then you're good and you did nothing. Then there's somebody who could do literally everything right and a recession comes and it's like, well, that's that just happened. You know what I mean? And I feel like the way we um, I feel like we try to find comfort in that where it's like, if I do this, this will happen. If I do this, that will happen. If I do this, this will happen. The factors that like kind of lie outside of like the norms. You don't want to kind of see them. But this is something I just to segue a little bit. It's kind of on the same topic, but like something that I use on my day to day life is I see myself as a statistic. So it's like I live my life like I'm not special. I'm not the minority who's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be a millionaire one day. Like, <laughs> I'm like. A lot of us aren't millionaires. What can I do to be like in the 99%, but like live my life comfortably? You know what I mean? I don't act like, like I'm not the exception. I'm the majority in most situations. Do you think that's a flawed way to look at life by numbers and statistics? Or how do you view that? Well, there's no real right or wrong way to live your life or to view life. It's just a life. And what matters more is how what you think about your life. But one thing that I do find very interesting about that statement is you talk about viewing yourself as just a statistic. Which, when we look at leadership and people that get into positions of power, they often let it go to their head. And they use that as a way to identify themselves and who they are, and to get validation by pushing people around. But you don't do that. And I would love to know more, a little bit more about, like, how do you keep yourself so humble? Um, so in, um, in there was a school I went to. Um, it was a boarding school. They have a hierarchy system kind of thing. So they had A class, B class, and C class. If you're in A class, you can do all subjects. Sciences, business, doesn't matter. If you're in B class, you can do quite a bit, but you can't do the sciences as much as you want to. If you're in C class, strictly business, strictly like kind of that. I went from A class in my first year of high school to C class in my second term of high school, like literally that low and that fast. And I feel like although it sucked for me, it taught me a valuable lesson that like the world, like you will start again from scratch it's very possible you know you can acquire all this money like i look at like gta i could finish the game have the hard girl have the fast cars have everything and then i could lose it all tomorrow but i'm comfortable with that because i know like what it took to get there you know in the same light i look at it and i'm like okay fine i will fail i will do this it's inevitable you know i know what it's at at the bottom it's very possible. I was at the top. Like I was I was a smart kid when I showed up. But with that experience of like coming down to the bottom, I've I've learned a lot. Like I've um uh, in Zimbabwe we do Cambridge. I had um graduate I, I thought I did great in my in my geography exam. In fact, the results came back and I got like an A. That was my first A in the entire thing I've ever done. Like I've never gotten an A before then. And then Cambridge sent me a letter saying um, actually, it's an F. And I was like, yo. <laughs> so that 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 that's knocked me on a few pegs for sure. Um, so for me, how I kind of use it to cope is like, it's just that experience, you know, where it's like, 
I've been up, I've been down, I've been up, I've been down. But with every experience, I know what it takes to get back up. And I know it's once you know, you kind of can get back up there. You know what I mean? Um, but how do you kind of feel about that? Where it's like finding a level of like comfort of you can lose everything and come back. How how do how do you view that? Because a lot of people, that's one thing I struggled with, like um foreigners here, even some people like I've worked with where it's like, I used to be the best back home. I used to do all this back home. And I'm like, we're in a different environment. If you can do that back there, if you can replicate the same energy here, you can be successful. But you have to accept the fact that you're starting from point zero. That's what I tell most people. But Well, it gets, gets into this idea of risk versus reward. And I always find with leadership and leaders in general, there has to be a point in time you have to take a risk. There's just, this is what the position demands of you. Mm-hmm. either you're going to take a risk and hire somebody that is an unknown. Maybe you're going to have somebody above you coming down on your people and you're going to have to risk your career. Maybe you're in charge of a company and the company is going under. And now is the time to risk it for the biscuit, baby. <laughs> and you're putting all everything on black and spinning the roulette wheel, which happened with FedEx. And lo and behold, the company succeeded. But it's that understanding that eventually you have to accept those risks. Like if you, if you want the rewards, you have to take a risk. And so how do you like accept the risks? Because you've gone through many, many risks and reaped significant rewards. Like how did you navigate those situations? Um, remember when I was talking about um, delusional optimist? There's a there's a there's a guy I follow, um, and he spoke about he does he does a lot of vlogging, and he was like he was talking to other people about vlogging like do you love it do you love it so much that you can be homeless doing it, and that's kind of my mentality. If I love something, I will happily, I will happily suffer doing it. You know what I mean? Like I will. Um, I wanna I wanna find like a good example. I wanted to get a personal trainer one day. And I was like, I'm a college kid. <laughs> <laughs> college kids don't have a lot of money. I'm tired to tell you this, Isaac. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, it was, it was, I um I call it a realm of manifestations. So um in um in Marvel, it's a Marvel comic thing, there's this guy called um, I don't know what uh, Anthrom promofo or something he gives the marvel gods like their physical forms so that they can interact with like people so i call it the realm of manifestations because that's the domain he rules and i i i have my own little thing it's a piece of paper i write down what i want and it's like i'm going into that realm to manifest what i want and if it doesn't happen or it does happen i'm happy that i tried doing it and i'm happy that i'm doing it regardlessly I left the school that I was at because I couldn't do sciences. They said, yo, you're going to be screwed if you leave here. You know what I mean? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I will I will fail 10 times with a smile on my face and be happy with that. But I'm glad that I'm trying. You know what I mean? And that's what my dad always told me. He was like, I like my dad. Like, if you look at like where my dad came from, like there were no roads. There was nothing. There was no buildings. If you go to where he stayed as a kid, there is nothing. And he knows where everything is. I'm like, dude, there's nothing here. And he's like, I wanted you to have the opportunity to try things I never could. But not the things I want to do, but things you want to do. And for me, it's like having that ability to try, just trying. Like, there are not a lot of people in the world who can just try things. So for me, it's like, I can risk it all and lose it all and be like, I had the I had the opportunity to try. Other people don't. You know, like you can be like, oh, I'm gonna like take out all these loans and like try to do a business and it fails. And I'm just like, you took out a loan? There's people out there who's like, I don't even know what a loan is. I don't even know how to get a loan. My government doesn't give me a loan. And it's like you have that opportunity. So for me to have that opportunity to be like, hey, I tried and I failed. It's a good story. This gives me something to talk about. And it gives me experience. 
because I, I have to make my own experience. No one's going to give me experience. I have to give it myself. No one's going to give you your own experience. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a story I was talking, a story that I overheard with a pilot. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about new pilots getting into the plane. And he said, here's the thing you need to realize as a new pilot. You have two bags. One bag's filled with luck. And the other one is filled with experience. Right now as a new pilot, you have a lot of luck. You have no experience. <laughs> so what we have to do right now is we need to spend as much luck as we can, as fast mm-hmm. as we can, to fill up your experience bag. Because mm-hmm. eventually your luck will run out. Of course. And then all you're going to have is your experience. All you're going to have is experience, man. But do you feel like... um do you feel like people are less willing to get those experiences? Because um, there's a saying, like, the older you get, the further the sky is away from you. So it's like, you know, when you're younger, like, I can do all these crazy things. I want to be president. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do all these crazy things. And, like, as time goes on, as you get older, you're like, oh, man, I don't think I can do that, man. Like, astronaut? Like, oh, man, I, got, I wish I started, like, years ago. Like, I don't think I can do that. Like, there's people my age who won't go back into school because they feel like they're too I'm like, you're 24. Like, you're, like, you, like, you're like, bro, like, you haven't lived half of your life. Like, just go, you know what I mean? And, oh, like, do you feel like that's, that's a thing where it's like the older you get, the further the sky? People like to tell themselves stories all the time to keep them stuck. And it's funny because I j- was just doing a podcast about victims and how victims and leaders they don't work you can't be a leader and you and a victim at the same time because they're on the polar opposites mm-hmm. and sometimes we victimize ourselves and we say i'm too old so i'm stuck in my ways i can't go back to school i'll be an educate uh i'll be ostracized and we tell ourselves stories to keep ourselves rooted where we are mm-hmm. but what i always find interesting for example with yourself is that there are people out there that can get back up. Mm-hmm. They don't tell themselves these stories and they keep pushing themselves further and they say, so what if I'm too old? I'll do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting skill and that's that shows a lot of resiliency to be able to try new things, to risk it for the biscuit, mm-hmm. fail, and then say, well, I guess I guess it, it sucks <laughs> to suck. Mm-hmm. What's next? Yeah. I um this is actually something that I, I I I tried hiding it from you. This is the question that I had for you. I've been kind of planning it. So so this is the question. It's like when you're talking about risk it for the biscuit and like you know what keeps me going. Um me and my friend I have a friend. Um his name is Pablo. He's not a drug dealer, trust me. Um he always makes jokes about being a drug dealer. I'm like, no, you're not. And then he's like, yo, it is what it is. But his name is Pablo. Listen. Pharmacists are drug dealers too. <laughs> They're just legalized. But um, I have a I have a, I have a friend called Pablo, um, and um, he, me and him have this thing where it's like we believe in power of words, right? So when things are going hard, there's a word that we play in our minds to keep going. You know, Pablo, um, you know, he's always been very self self-dependent he kind of had to grow up very like by himself but his thing was always like resilience that was his word resilience whenever things are going hard whenever he had like a latest time or whatever he just knew it was resilience for me i got my word in a weird way i played mortal kombat a lot as a kid and i liked that like round one fight like kind of like sequence and stuff like that and for me that was like my word fight because it's like from a young age, I realized, like, no matter how much people care for me, no one's going to fight for me. Like, my battles, as much as they want to, I have to fight them. And for me, it's like, when I'm in a corner, I'm like a cage, like, I'm like a, like, a, I'm like a caged dog with nowhere to go. I'm like, I just go. Like, I'm like, okay, fine. I have to get out of this. No one's going to save me. I just got to fight. Do you have a word? And I'm curious, what will your word be? You know? That will keep you going. That will make you like, that will just transcend everything else going on in the moment. So unfortunately, I don't have a word. Ooh. 
Okay. Because I don't think like that. Okay. <laughs> I was just curious. I'm more visual. And so mm-hmm. when I think of my hard times, when I think of things being rough, I always think of a rainstorm in the middle of the wilderness and I'm hiking up a mountain. Mm-hmm. As the rain pelts me, I'm cold, I'm miserable. And the only thing that I'm concerned about is just one more step, mm-hmm. one more step. But that's like grounded, though. I feel like you have an easier time living in the moment. Personally, that's what I think. Well, that's all you're doing is you're grounding yourself to be in the moment. To push through the hardness, the harshness of reality to get to the other side. As you said, all things come to an end. Even this miserable time you're having. But I I think the reason why I like my word fight as well as though it's just like a word. I like your visuals. I feel like visuals are like better. But like my word fight gives me like adrenaline kind of thing. It gives me like that reserve tank energy that's like, okay, this is the final hour, the last dance. You know, it's like when stories are written about me, this is the moment they're going to say he died on his shield. Or he pulled he pulled one out of his butt and he worked out. And that's what for me it's just the story. The story, man. Like I I would do anything for a story. You know? And this is something that my professors always like told me. I never understood the relevance of this. Like, you traveled here by yourself across the ocean, by yourself. You now live in a country, you know no one. But, like, maybe your family who lives in other parts of the country. And it's like, how, why would you do that? I had people ask me, like, why would you come here? And I'm like, because I wanted to see Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being for real. I, I, I just wanted to see a Starbucks and be like, so this is what, so this is what it is. We have coffee, but you guys have, like, a Starbucks. Like, I remember the first time I came, I was like, Subway? Oh, man. I mean, every day at Subway. And, like, I was a tourist. I would, like, take pictures. Like, ah, I was Subway. It's, like, the most cringy stuff. But, like, that's what I wanted to do. My dad, when he came to Canada, the first thing he did, shovel the snow. He couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. Literally was, like, talking, like, going to my neighbor's store. Like, can I shovel the snow? And they're, like, do you want us to pay? He's, like, no, no, no. I'll just do it for free. I just want to do it. And he just shoveled people's snow. That's all he wanted to do. So I don't know. Like, do you feel like there's that, like people will do the craziest things for the smallest things that are relative to you. Do you feel like that or no? Mm, I'm not too sure what you mean. So like there, so like my dad was willing to travel across the world just to shovel snow. Do you feel like what, like another man's not really trash, but like what you're taking for granted, someone else would love to do. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. But I think if you dug into that story a little bit deeper, we could uncover some very interesting values that were being met by traveling over to a different country to shovel snow that are fundamental to who he is. And from the sounds of it, have been also passed down to you. Mm. But to kind of go ahead. I know you finish first because I wanted to ask you something that's kind of, I don't know if you have the answers for it, but it's interesting. Well, I want to backtrack a little bit because you said something interesting, this idea of fight and you're in it for the story. When the chips are on the table, you're all in. And I kind of wanted to know, like, how does that affect the people around you? Like when times are rough, when the shit's hit in the fan, when we're writing the story, we're in it against the dragon. Mm-hmm. They're going to, we're either going to come out filthy rich or we're all dead. <laughs> like how does that fight impact the people around you, your team? I feel like, One thing that I've learned as like a leader is I create energy that people will feed off of. If I'm in a bad mood, it it won't take more than an hour and everyone else is in a bad mood and everyone else can see that. 
So for me, when I bring these like stuff of like the stories and like, like, like to you, like I always talk about like you, like, oh, he's this mysterious guy who can do all these crazy things. Like I talk about people like their myths and legends, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Like the things like my sister thinks you're like a professor. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't also it's like, this guy's a professor, like, so cool. When I talk about, like, like for me, it's like, when I, like, talk about people, even into their face, I'm like, oh, man, John, John, do you know what this guy can do? He can do all this crazy stuff. He does, like, I highlight their strengths, and I, I build a story around their strengths. So they're like, this isn't that bad, you know? Because I'm good at, like, telling, like, a uh, story around people. So my name, Isaac just to kind of harpen back to it my dad used to tell me about like how um isaac in the bible was a dreamer he was a dreaming kid and his siblings didn't like him for that my siblings love me by the way <laughs> <laughs> but isaac was like a dreamer right and with dreams come stories so for me when i'm like talking about like risking for the biscuit it's like i what i do is like i i'm a good hype man man I'm I'm one of the best hype men you can ever find in the world. I will hype you up to do stupid things. That's my power. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I look at my team and things are going bad, I'm like, remember that? Like, I'm almost like, I don't know if you watch Wolf of Wall Street, where like the boss guy comes up and he's like, remember that time when you were homeless and like you needed somebody to help you out? I was there. The team was there and we got it done. We're going to get it done this time and it's like you're right we're gonna get it done and if and it makes it makes things like it makes for one i notice it's like they will go down with the ship with you because you're on it <laughs> which is something i was surprised by there was a time like i was having to lead the team for like a solid like two three weeks and like everyone was in a bad mood and stuff and i i, I was able to change it around even in times i was like oh and i was like it's either we're gonna go down with the ship or we're gonna ride the high and like when like um the man the big band my manager came back he was like you know what's not bad you guys did some good work that day a few things that could have changed but like having that like we're gonna go down together we're gonna win together people like that because they feel like you know you always say this you know if you're a leader you make more money but if you're a follower you have more fun <laughs> so i make it fun man like i just i make losing winning fun and people just want to keep doing you know and i feel like being a part of my team currently right now is like man like we are i don't want to brag but we're doing good work listen i'll brag for you you guys are doing amazing work <laughs> appreciate that man we've taken what you said very seriously though like we 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 are customers first kind of people like we we want to make sure you guys feel com uh, comfortable we want to make sure that you know even when i'd like you know um I, I i've never met brian you know uh, that's the guy i do my podcast with but i i will like call him i will like just try to talk to him you know just trying to pick his brain you know um there's a guy who's like uh, i i like the way i talk about people makes them sound mysterious and when i tell brian about that he's like you're making me sound much cooler than i actually am i'm like i think you're pretty cool so <laughs> yeah but that goes back to the point that you made earlier about uplifting people and bringing them along for the ride it's like no 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 we're in this together this is our ship you're not alone on this Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of that's what my sister used to tell me a lot. It's like, you know, the the evil in the world makes you believe that you're by yourself and makes you believe like it's only you going through something. And the first thing I try to break is it's not just you, it's all of us. And we're smiling over here. So if we're gonna like die here, let's die together, kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like my parents used to tell me, like, you know, if everyone's on the don't take this literally if everyone was jumping off a bridge would you jump with them i was like i'm holding everyone's hands and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go you know like let's go i was yeah i was i was always like let's let's just do it you know now of course nothing that dangerous but like just having that like hey like this might not be the best idea but at least we came up with it and I'm going to take it. So let's go with that. So I try to, when it comes to our team, um, 
when it comes to selecting people who like stayed with us, it was like, oh yeah, no brainer. Our values, the way we kind of uh, uplift each other is always good because I'm not going to be there all the time. Right. And I kind of trust my team to do whatever they got to do. And I know we, we were a good balance. You know, we don't agree on everything, but I, um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is it's there's leader ego and you kind of have to accept that for me, my team, trust me, they're not afraid to tell me if I'm messing up. They'll be like, Isaac, you left this on the table. Don't leave this on the table. I'm like, I'm sorry. And I sound like, uh, like, I feel like, I feel like for some leaders, it's like, they don't like being told what to do. Why is that a thing? Because they take it too personally. Mm -hmm. They, it's a environment where they don't invite criticism or feedback. And it's very bizarre. And that's mm -hmm. something that you've done marvelously is being able to create that feedback. But if you were to tell a leader that, hey, you're fucking up, you're screwing the pooch at the moment, your team is walking out the door and the other half wants to unionize because you're not doing their, your job, they turn into this fight or flight mode and they mm. start attacking you because they can't handle the criticism. They, they mm -hmm. don't have that ability at the moment to be able to recognize that, hey, I am screwing up. I need mm -hmm. to take responsibility for my actions. How do I make it better? The making it better part is like so hard because, you know, when it comes to management and like leadership and business, you've worked your ass off to be where you're at. You know what I mean? You've worked so hard. So for someone to tell you you've messed up, it's like, this is my life's work, by the way. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So maybe because like I'm younger, it's kind of like I don't take it too much as hard because I'm just like, you know, I um I have a saying, I'd rather you tell me I'm an idiot today so that tomorrow I have a chance of being better. You know what I mean? I have a chance of being smart. So I would rather you tell me, Isaac, there's a piece of gum on your nose. Not lot boogers, but gum on your nose. Can you remove it? It's like, oh. Well, thank you. I wasn't going to look at a mirror all day. So, you know, so like my team always, they don't like clown me or anything. Like There's no like disrespect, but it's like, if I mess up, they will let me know I've messed up, but they appreciate it. Cause it's like, I give them that kind of room of being like, Hey, you know, um, you know, is it weird though, that I prioritize myself, but I prioritize my teammates as much as I prioritize myself. Like I do not take disrespect, man. No one disrespects my team. If I if it means that I miss an opportunity because someone is disrespecting my team, they can take it, give it to the next person. I don't care. My team comes first. I'm a ride or die by my team kind of guy. You know what I mean? Because that's uh, I I when I lived in um, Prince George, BC up north, what I loved about it, it was we sat on a table. There was no clubs. There was no parties. There was nothing. We held hands and we were like, "This is all we got. This table and us." And that's how I felt about like my teams moving on. I was like, it's just you and me at the end of the day. Is that weird? Do you think that could be changed? What do you think? Because I'll go down with the ship and I'm not leaving a man behind kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, I always say there's two things that you need to do as a leader. There's only two things. First one is to make a decision. I would rather have a leader that steers the ship into rocks than to <laughs> strand us in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is you have to take care of your people. Based on what we talked about, it sounds like you're just taking care of your people. That's all I got. Because at the end of the day, they're your people. Mm -hmm. They'll follow you into, into hell and back, but the exchange is that you take care of them. <laughs> that's that's the deal that was made when you, during mm -hmm. the hiring process was, hey, I'll give you power over me so you can tell me what to do, so you can discipline me, so you can reprimand me, but in return, you will take care of me. I feel like a lot of uh, managers, you know, um, it, in my first leadership class, they were, my leadership teacher told me, this is why I thought you read the same literature as I did, honestly. It was like, there's a difference between leaders and managers. And the quicker you know that, the quicker you're going to be more successful. And 
for me, I thought it was the same thing. And this economist conception, like being a manager, being a leader are different at the same thing. They're vastly different. The requirements are vastly different. Like when you understand that job description of like, we need leadership. It's like, we need the leadership. Then there's management. It's like, okay, I'm going to look at this and this. I'm going to make sure people are doing their job. And it's like, anyone can do that for the most part. Anyone can manage, but being a leader is like, that takes years, man. That takes so many years. And I'm willing to learn. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm from an older generation of like kids. I'm just like, look, man, I'm the type of guy to, I walked in. I was like, I don't know everything, man. You guys have been working here for like five years. I'm still new. So if you can give me some help to understand how everything works here, I'll really appreciate it. having that conversation. Surprisingly, we had people on my side because they're like, oh, you're, you're asking me for help. I literally, someone asked me, it's like, are you, is this a, is this a test? And I was like, no, like, I, I, I've never worked here. I heard that you've had like five years of experience. And they're like, I, well, I have. What, what do you want to know? And, you know, I feel like I, I'm really open to being like, look, like, I'll learn from people, you know? Well, I mean, that's that aspect of constantly learning to do better. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wanted to know your thoughts and feelings on this because we were talking about how management and leaders are different, mm-hmm. vastly different. Yeah. Are leaders born or are they made? So this is how I feel about people being born into things and people being made into things. Um, this is a, a similar way on how I view confidence. I view leadership and confidence like muscles. Like, the more you train them, the better you are at utilizing them. You know what I mean? So if you train yourself in leadership, you may not be as good as the other guy who's talented at leadership. But you can be a pretty good damn leader if you train yourself to be one. Because I don't like to, it's kind of like saying, like, could you, are NBA stars born or made? It's like, anyone can be six foot eight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay, like. Anyone who's born six foot eight, not everyone who's born six foot eight goes into the NBA. Not everybody. You know what I mean? The people who are like six foot who are in the NBA today, it's a lot harder for them, but they trained, you know? And I feel like it's the same thing when it comes to like confidence. It's like I had a friend ask me, it's like, either you're born with it or you're not. And I'm like, nope, you can train it because you got, you live your life. You're not going to get a second try, you know, at life. So if you want to be a leader, I'm just like, it's a muscle. You got to work out on it. You got to continuously 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 work at it so i view more as a muscle the more you use it the better you are at it there are people out there who've got great talent in things never use them never use them at all there's that there's that one guy who's really good at basketball doesn't eat right doesn't work hard doesn't want to do it it's all about hard work at the end of the day if you're early that's something i believe personally if you're early for things if you're on time if you are dependable you'll be just fine in life regardless of what you're doing. If you're like a fry cook working at McDonald's, if you are just on time, oh, like you're, you're, you're good. You're good. So that's what I think personally. <laughs> you know, when you were talking, you reminded me of a gentleman that I was just chatting with. Mm-hmm. He was talking about passions and mm-hmm. he was talking about passions versus talents and being, having natural gifts. And he said, Adam, I'm naturally very good at playing the piano. I hate playing the piano. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I can play the piano, but I refuse to. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. And, And that's, and that's, you know, you continue, you continue. No, no, no. What are your thoughts? My thoughts were just like, there are things in this world that people are good at no interest in whatsoever i am good with computers i've done so many i've done like i think about three programming languages visual basic c plus and um what's the other one it's another one um i'm forgetting the last one but i've done three programming languages hate computers my dad was like you should get into computer science and i was like business where you at you know what i mean I was, I was, it's just, again, how much you train something, you know, I would rather do what I'm doing now 
with my skill set because I'm not horrible in business. I'm not horrible in engineering, but it's like I wouldn't want to be coding personally. Not something I want to do. And I feel like that's what with like a lot of people. But do you feel like um this is this is kind of like a trick I've used in a lot of my simulations in a business school. I was a millionaire through boring. I did the most boring things and I outperformed everybody else. So it's like uh when we did like uh like the richest man in Africa right now is a guy who sells cement. I don't think that guy has a passion for cement. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't think that guy had like a passion for cement. And that's I took the same mentality. I was like, whilst people were out here, like I'm gonna be the next Nike and stuff. I was like, yeah, so I'm gonna sell like um, shoes to like um, people who are nurses. That's it. And then they were surprised. How did you beat us all in revenue? I was like, well, you guys were focused doing that. I was selling these guys. I was the only supplier, and I just raised my price. They had nowhere else to go. Do you believe in like the power of being boring? I think people overlook the mundane, whatever they classify as the mundane. And they think to themselves, I want to be an Instagram influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a podcast. And yet the reality is this entire world is built upon the trades. And if you're looking to make money, Maybe you shouldn't look at standing out. Maybe you should look at the mundane because everyone, nobody wants to be in the trades, but I know trade workers that are making hundreds of dollars an hour, which blows my mind when I listen to them. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, you talk to her buddy. So it's like, yeah, so can you come fix the pipes in my house? It's like, yeah. So I charge like by the minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not even by the hour anymore. Like, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that you know, people are entitled to do whatever they they want to do in career wise, right? But you know, always priorities, right? Like, where you kind of prioritize this, like with that. So I looked like my cousin once, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to do nursing to be like to make a lot of money." I'm like, "Nursing is a hard course. Are you sure you want to do this? This seems a little extreme." He's like, "Yeah, no, 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 I make a lot of money." Then the first semester, he's like, "I should listen to you." Like, there are easier ways to make money. Mm-hmm. If that is your goal, there's easier <laughs> ways to do it. It was just said, and I was like, no, no. Nursing is hard. Like, if you love it, good. But if you want to do it for the money, would not advise. Would not advise at all, you know. Um, yeah, you go first. Well, it always, it's interesting you say that. Because when I sit down with clients, clients will tell me shit like that all the time. Oh, I'm going to become a nurse or I'm going to make a lot of money. But my job is always to drill into like, why? Why is this important? Why do Mm -hmm. you care about this? What value is this fulfilling? And for example, with your cousin and being a nurse, it's when you start really drilling into it, you're like, you shouldn't be a nurse. If Mm -hmm. these are your priorities, if these are your values, and this is nursing, you're not lining up. Of course. Of course. But do you think that's why, like, you know, in uh, in my high school a lot, we have people coming over, uh, motivational speakers all the time, and they're like, you better love what you're doing, because you're going to do that for the rest of your life, high chance, if you try to, like, stay in there, you know. Um, Do you feel like there's still room in today's world to do what you love? Do you feel like there's still room for that anymore? Because that's one thing as a leader I've struggled with. It's like, I have people who want to travel. I have people who want to make more money or like just pay the bills and stuff like that. It's like, sometimes people are focused on, I want to do what I want. And some people are focused on, I'm just trying to survive. Me as a leader, I've had to play a lot of uno reverse psych like i i I wish i did some more psychology in school at this point because i'm just like it's so hard because these people who want to do what they want to do people want to travel people want to make music and i have to be like translate that passion into work equivalent do you think there's still room for that creativity in the workspace in the leadership space Oh, there's huge room for creativity. It's all about fostering it. It's like fostering a a culture of feedback. 
you have to take conscientious step to initiate that in the workplace. And that's where we take a look at values of the organization. And if you want your organization to become more creative and you want them to start thinking outside the box, you better damn well create a value around that, plaster that shit everywhere, and then promote it with your team and start praising people for being creative, for thinking outside the box. Reward them for that thinking. And it won't happen overnight. But over the course of two to three years, complete U-turn. But why are people afraid of no? Why are people afraid of... And something I've noticed a lot here is like, people are afraid of rejection. I'm like, you afraid of, I applied to so many schools and got rejected. Like, why is this new for you? You know what I mean? It's weird for like, people say like, I don't want to do that because I'm going to get rejected. I'm like, but that happens every day. I feel like I've missed a, a lot in life. People like, you know, sometimes like at a... One of my friends told me, like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of, like, being rejected by this person. I'm like, people don't get rejected? Is that something that happens? Like, is that an option? If that was an option, I would have taken that. <laughs> but, like, why are people afraid of, like, rejection? Like, I don't understand. Like, that, because being a team, man, like, getting people to do stuff. Oh, man, rejection. That's always, like, a big hurdle for me. I'm like, what if this goes wrong? What if this? And I'm like, that's an option? You know, like, but uh, that comes back into that resiliency that you have. The fact that you got that F in school and you still were able to get up. The fact that you said, you know what? Screw it. I'm sailing across the world to a country that I have known nothing about to make it all work. These are huge risk, huge reward areas that not a lot of people can do. I mean, if everyone could do what you do, Isaac, like nobody would fix my wall when there's a hole punched into it. <laughs> nobody would fix my computer. <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess you're right because I'll be too busy being like, huh, what's the worst that could happen? And then <laughs> the worst happened is like, well, I mean, at least I tried, you know, at least I can you imagine you go to a doctor's office and it's like, well, I've never done this before, but we're going to try, <laughs> you know, um, for me, it's I man, I, I've just gotten I wouldn't say used to it, but I've just gotten to accept it. It's going to happen. I'm going to lose a lot in life. I'm probably going to lose more in life than I'm going to win. But when I taste victory, mm, 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 does it taste delicious? So I have a question. Mm -hmm. For aspiring leaders, people mm -hmm. who want to do what you do, and they want to start learning to build that resilience, to be able to get back up, to accept the knocks when they come, and to keep going forward, what advice would you have to give to them? Um... Live your life before living other people's lives. That's what I would say. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta create your own experience. You know, I have done crazy things in my life. There was a time in college, never had a job, couldn't find a job. You know what I did? I found out that you could open a frat house, like at school, get it applied. The school could accept it and they can give you money to host events for students. I did that because I was like, I got to make my own experience at the end of the day because I prioritize like I have I need to be that person that you can come to and be like, hey, what can I do? There's different departments. It's like, I don't know the answer to that, but I can guarantee you I can find the answer because with that experience of living my life, I know where to get the answers from. So I would say like prioritize living your life. Number one, that's like the number one thing I would say number two know where to get information know where to get like if, when you know where to when you know where to get stuff you know how you know how to help your team so that's what i've personally done those two main things it's like the more i keep experiencing the more i have to offer to the table even if i'm young people are still like damn but this guy one he he has his own he has he brings his own acumen to the table Two, he knows where to get information. When you know where to get information, mm, 
mm, people trust you because you've got valid sources. So when people ask me questions, I'm like, I don't know that. Give me a few minutes. Type, 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 type. Boom. There it is. Because you you can, it's a good blend because I feel like if you don't know how to live your life or you don't know what you want to really do in life, you, no matter how much information you know, you can read all the books. You won't know what to do next. You won't know how to implement it because you've got the knowledge. So combination of both, but prioritize like just living, like live your life before you live other people's lives. You know what I mean? So that's what I would say. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And for those that want to reach out and find out more about you and start following you, how can they connect with you? So um, I will, well, I have a podcast, well, podcast on the way, of course, but um, look me up. Uh, my name is Isaac. My last name is M-U-K-A-R-A-K-A-T-E. You can find me literally anywhere because I'm the only person in the world with that name. So <laughs> that's a plus or um, DA underscore vintage, um, at, uh, you know, on Instagram, you can find me on there. Find me on LinkedIn wow, with my name, I-S-S, uh, sorry, I-S-A-A-C, uh, last name M-U-K-A-R-A-K-A-T-E. Um, yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, looking forward to just hearing more stories, looking forward to just living more life. And um, yeah, that's it for me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Isaac. Take care. Thanks. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give it a like, and share it with a friend. And if you're ready to take the next leap and improve your leadership skills, head over to www.seedingthelead.com and book your free coaching session today. Thank you.